When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nas has won his first Grammy after more than 30 years, but was it for his album or for his career? I think hip hop will always be a void for the people. Hey everybody, I'm Reggie Williams, founder and CEO of Ambrosia for Heads, and with me I have Jake Payne, our editor-in-chief, and together... This is our What's the Headline podcast, episode number 38. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's, it's, uh, we're doing this in real time, which is dope. Yeah, doing it in real time, later than, than typical. Typically, we record um, Sunday afternoons, but um, we had to wait for tonight because we thought there might be some special news, and indeed, it has come. Nazir Jones, Nas, has won his first ever Grammy after... 20 more than 25 years in the game uh you know live at the barbecue was what like 91 91. 30 we we are 30 30 years deep 30 years in the game and Nas like you know pretty much on almost everyone's top five uh made what most people believe is the greatest rap album ever it's insane that it took 30 years for him to get his Grammy Uh, but, but what are your thoughts about that I'm happy for Nas, man. I, um, you know, as of us taping this, he's yet to react. Uh, nothing on Twitter, uh, nothing that I've seen. But um, this has to mean something, you know, to what? I don't know, because like you said, this one definitely feels overdue. Yeah, I mean, so he had had 13 nominations in the past. And uh, so this was his 14th time. Um, you know, why do you think it took so long for Nas to get, to get his Grammy? You know, it's it's interesting. I think I think in the best rap album category, um, I'm gonna liken it to sports. Um, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and for a lot of years we had great teams. But you know what? The New England Patriots—they were always there. Or you know, the John Elway and the Broncos. There were certain years we just couldn't make it happen. And you know, in, in prepping for this discussion, I realized that Nas, you know, picked some really competitive years to drop his best work. And I think this year, um, you know, this one's this one's going to be evocative because there's a lot of folks out there that I think were riding hard for Freddie Gibbs and Alchemist with, um, you know, Alfredo. You know, there's there's folks that were riding for Royce, um, and then there's a, a whole subtext thing of, you know, Jay Electronica and Jay Z on a written testimony. So it's it's not an easy year, but this one felt right for Nas. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you and I have both coming into today thought that this is what might happen. Yeah. You know, um, I thought it was either going to be this album or maybe Jay Electronica because of Jay-Z's involvement. You know, Jay has not had an album out since 444. Uh, he's a perennial Grammy darling. And so I thought that, that um, it would be between these two, you know, um, I thought it was amazing that they nominated Royce and, um, you know, and uh, you know, D Smoke was was great, and you know, Freddie Gibbs and Alfredo, but Freddie Gibbs and Royce to me were really surprising. Like, um, you know, typically the Grammy doesn't have its finger on the pulse like that, and you know, ear to the street. Interestingly, um, if you step back and think about it, with the exception of D Smoke, I believe that everyone was forty and above. You know, um, uh, J Alec. I think is 40. Um, uh, Freddie I don't know Gibbs, about Gibbs. Freddie Gibbs, uh, I, I believe, is if he's not 40, he's at least 39. Okay. Um, you know, um, and, you know, uh, Royce, obviously, and then, uh, you know, Nas, you know, who won it. So, you know, the Grammys has often been accused of favoring older artists and not being as in touch with the new. Uh, you know, over the last couple of years, we had Cardi B win it. Uh, two years ago, we had Tyler, the creator. So I think they shook that off. Do you think that they kind of fell back on old habits now or that this was just a true reflection of 
what the best work was? I think that this was a really, you know, in the rap category, I think this was some of the best work. I, I feel that the, you know, Grammys dropped the ball with, um, you know, with Gibbs and Madlib and Bandana last year. And even upon winning the rap album, you know, Tyler made a really good remark of there's not really rapping on my album, but they're scared to, you know, they're, you know, putting me in this category because of my history as a rapper and, and on a much bigger note, I think because you see a, a young black man of a certain age and you shuffle me into rap. And last year was disappointing like that. And, and overall, I mean, you know, we're having this in March. I think back to last year's Grammys and that will always be marred by the death of, of Kobe Bryant and, and the rest of the folks on board, you know, his daughter and everyone else. Um, but this year, definitely the Grammys are kind of coming back to, to meat and potatoes hip hop, which is, is good to see. And, and whether you agree with the choice or not, King's Disease, Nas's album definitely fits within that. Yeah. You know, so, so Gibbs is 38 and, um, okay and Jay Leck is 44. So, you know, mm. definitely all in that range. Yeah. You know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, Nas had faced stiff competition in the past, and you thought that was part of the reason why he hadn't collected the Grammy. And I'll just say for people, in 1994, when Illmatic dropped, there was no best album category. Um, the best album category um, was voted on, voted in that year, uh, and then it started in 1995. Um, and so it's not like Illmatic got passed up, but what I thought was interesting is that that year, Illmatic didn't even have any nominations. Um, that to me is insane that, you know, in a year where, you know, pretty much universally, everyone saw that as a massive moment. You know, it wasn't being declared in real time, the greatest album of all time, but it was definitely something that, you know, shifted the culture. It leaked um, you know, everyone had it. Um, I think they released it earlier than they, than they had wanted to because of that. It was one of the first albums with like that many superstar producers all on one project. Nas, because of Live at the Barbecue in 1991, was already heralded as like the next one. So there was a lot of hype and anticipation about it. And it was a true moment that delivered on it. So it was shocking to me yeah. that um, it wasn't even, it didn't have a nomination. You know, that year, Queen Latifah won um, Best Rap Solo Performance for UNITY, and then Salt and Pepper won um, Best Rap uh, Group Performance for None of Your Business. Um, and yeah, and it's I mean it's interesting because I looked at that too, and I thought you know you can use all those knee jerk excuses of okay Nas is a new artist, but Warren G was nominated for the category that Queen La won, and also you know people often say well yeah but a label. Um, Nas came into the game on Columbia Sony, which, you know, I, I have to believe is, is up there with as many Grammys as your Atlantics and your Universals and your other, you know, major outputs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Grammys absolutely dropped the ball on Nas early in his career. And it leads some to say, like, is that what ultimately makes this kind of happen? Obviously, it's voted on, but are, are that many people, you know, pushing to see Nas get his due? Um, and then the question becomes, is King's Disease the right album to give him this distinction? Yeah, you know, I think they dropped the ball in, in a couple of ways. First of all, they dropped the ball by tweeting out the news before the airing, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'll let people know that we're doing this, you know, as the Grammy shows are, shows are on now. So I'm recording it. I want to see, I hope that they at least let him, you know, give his speech on air and really kind of acknowledge the moment um but i think even with that to have kind of taken some of the steve and some of the surprise out of it by by, by leaking the news and it'd be different if someone else like from his camp or something like that but for them to tweet the news i thought was um i don't know if i'm going to go as far as to say disrespectful but i i think kind of ill thought out in terms of like you know you know just taking the, the wind out of the sails the surprise there um but yeah i think that I think that for years, the Grammys have been known to, well, now they're giving official Lifetime Achievement Awards, but a lot of times um, albums that they awarded or songs they awarded the Grammy to were seen as kind of makeups for, you know, past mistakes. They were, they were more Lifetime Achievement type awards. And so when you look at King's Disease, you and I talked about it um, when it first dropped. Um, 
we dedicated a podcast to it, uh, you know, the vast majority of podcasts to it. I think that it's one of Nas's most cohesive albums. You know, he's always been criticized for his um, his beats. And, you know, that's the only thing, you know, so with the exception of Bill Manick and, and a couple others, um, it, he I don't know that he's had wall-to-wall uh, consistency, but this one I, I thought was very uh, consistently, uh, consistent sonically. And then on top of that, um, I thought there were some real noteworthy bangers. You know, we put a bunch of joints on the AFH playlist, you know, the, re- the reunion with the firm, uh, his pairing with Anderson Pack. and you love the Charlie Wilson joint. Um, Car 85, yeah. Car 85. Um, I love Ultra Black. I know that wasn't one of your favorites, but it grew on me. Um, I think there are, are noteworthy tracks that people will go back to when they revisit his catalog, you know, years from now. Mm-hmm. And so I do believe that it stands, and I just had this discussion with someone else, I think it's in his top six albums. Okay. I, won't, I, I can't, declare it top five but i could see someone putting it in top five and i might even on, on, on a certain day so within his catalog i think it stands up but this year you know um i just listened to alfredo again today and i gotta say as good as it is i, I slept on it uh, when it first came out it is just a phenomenal album it's it's like wall-to-wall bangers royce um the allegory you said many times as your album of the year in 2021. Um, 2020, yeah. Or 2020, yeah. Um, D Smoke, you liked more so than I did. Um, yeah. Uh, and then Jay Alec and, and, Jay, and Jay-Z, you know, we, we both had that on our top, you know, top list uh, for 2020 as well. I don't know that King's Disease is better than, you know, three out of those albums that I just named. What, what, what do you yeah. think? I think you said it. I agree with everything you said from Nas's top six of all time. I don't, I said to somebody this week, uh, forecasting this, I don't think it's in my top five, but on the right day, it might be. It's right on the, right on the fringe there. And yeah, three. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I like that. I, to me, I wanted to see this go to Royce. Um, on a personal level, you know, of course I want Nas to get you know, his just do. I'd love to see Freddie Gibbs and Al get treated on one of music's highest stages like that. And, and you know, the Jay Electronica featuring Jay-Z album, I like, but I do think that's one you appreciated much more than I did. Um, but I, I do, I do value that album. But yeah, I mean, Nas is, uh, you know, from a merit basis, I'm, I'm Royce all day and probably Gibbs and Al right after that. Yeah, I mean, so... You say featuring Jay-Z, um, I think seven out of the tracks, seven out of 11 or something like that. Like uh, the vast majority had Jay is like basically their, um, you know, their purple tape. Um, that means that you think it's sweeter for Nas to win it this year in a, in a year where Jay did have such a prominent kind of offering. You know, they've had their, their rivalry, you know, mm-hmm friendly and not so friendly at times um you know but definitely rivalry and you know jay has a habit of stepping on Nas's releases um i think that even happened with um his black entrepreneur record uh came out the same day that king's disease came out yeah. you, know, you think there's a different level of sweetness that comes with uh, you know jay z even unofficially being in the category I, th- I I go back to sports. I think if you beat the Patriots, you want to beat them with Tom Brady. And I don't think this Jay Electronica album is with, you know, it's not Jay-Z, but it's it's Rock Nation, it's Jay. And also, I mean, you know, Jay Electronica's breakthrough year was, was 2009. And the year before that, Nas used Jay to produce Queens Get the Money, if I'm not mistaken, on his, you know, Untitled album. So Nas and, and Jay Electronica, that's home team. So I don't know if that storyline plays out for me. I also could totally see Nas using this as an opportunity, much like Drake did two years ago, to publicly kind of remind folks that the Grammys is just a trophy. And while our people, you know, our people being, you know, hip hop heads vote on it, there's a whole lot of other people that are vested in other genres that that get a ballot and they see name recognition and they go with it, which I think you know, in some years has held Nas back when he's run, you know, ran against a Drake or an Outkast or an Eminem or a Wayne. Um, so I don't know. I'm curious to see how Nas treats this, but I do think it's, 
it's got to feel good for him to not have to talk about not having a Grammy anymore. He's got that off of his shoulders. Yeah. You know, we talked about hit boy a little bit. Um, I said that I think hit boy was a producer of the year last year. Um, you know, between that, the Benny album, uh, and now if you, if you count the last 12 months, what he's done with black, uh, Judas and the black Messiah, mm, he's yeah. had just an, an incredible year. Um, I think that he deserves a lot of credit for this too. Uh, yeah. you know, just crafting it sonically. Uh, I think it's noteworthy that, you know, people have such high expectations for the Nas uh, Kanye West album. And that one was a major disappointment for most, you know, mm -hmm. um, there are a couple songs that I like, but definitely did not hit the way that I thought it was going to, um, pun intended. And then, you know, I think it's amazing that this album where people were probably scratching their heads a little bit saying, yeah. hit boy, like, how does that fit with Nas? It, it, it's amazing that he actually delivered something that, that, that Ye wasn't able to do. I feel you on that. And I'm very curious. And, and I think it's deserving that, that hit boy reaches a list status. I mean, that that probably for the reasons you just listed already happened today. Um, but, you know, I always looked at Hit Boy as a, a rung or two beneath your Kanye's and your Swizzes and Timberlands. And, you know, even just on the Nas side, when this album was announced, I thought back to the Scratch, you know, Scratch Magazine article of damn Nas. You know, you've been talking about doing a whole album with Premiere. Where's it at? You know, we heard a couple years ago about you doing extensive music with RZA. This isn't that. Um, but Hit Boy more than delivered. And that was true of this album, Benny's and, and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, typically when an album is nominated for best uh, for, for best album, um, there are multiple songs that are also nominated. Um, there wasn't a single other nomination for Nas this year. I think that might support a little bit even more that this was uh an award for his entire body of work more so than this album specifically i push back a little bit on that one because i feel like this year you're not seeing that be the case with gibbs and al you're not seeing that with royce um as far as i understand d smoke may have a nomination uh jay electronica may have a song nomination it's not right in front of me but i feel like this year the grammys are compartmentalizing you know there's there's three or four rap categories and they're just trying to hit different bases and what's funny is the album is coming back to the spitters. Um, it's coming back to, you know, folks that write their own rhymes and all of that after, you know, Tyler, who made a pop album and, and Cardi B, who I thought I wasn't upset when she won in 2019. But, you know, Cardi has been out there admitting that she doesn't write all of her own rhymes. And to me, it was a disappointment after, after fans fought so hard in the earlier part of the decade to get Kendrick and other folks there due. So this kind of feels like, again, a, a reshuffling of, hey, but, you know, and, and I look at Nas and I think that he was robbed many times over. I'm not sure about Rap Album of the Year um, because Illmatic, you know, wasn't considered. But I do think over the years, Nas definitely should have been a contender for best rap performance. When you look at joints like, you know, Made You Look and Hero and Hip Hop is Dead, like he threw definitely top five songs year after year and the grammys looked the other way they gave him a nod if i'm not mistaken in 2013 for daughters which he did not win all right so you push back on that and you say it was for spitters i'm, a, I'm gonna tweak it i think it's not necessarily for spitters but for bodies of work uh i think that in each of these cases the artists put together uh, cohesive projects that 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 had multiple songs if not you know if not like wall to wall multiple songs that made them like full projects. I think that a lot of the performances, you probably can't say that of the albums. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there may have been a great song or two, but the rest of the album didn't stand up to it. So I think, I think maybe, maybe that's how they divided it. Um, and there weren't any breakout hits on, on King's Disease or, you know, any of the other projects that yeah. were nominated. Um, you know, it really was about the album. You made that's a good point too, and that's not to devalue. I mean, Meg the Stallion's a spitter to me. Jack Harlow's a spitter to me. You know, the uh, baby. You know, you can go on and on. So you're absolutely right. I think I think your tweak fits. These are bodies of work, but yeah, I um, it's interesting. Do you want to? One of the things that I think is interesting, which you pointed out to me, is some of the the years that Nas has won lost in this category and what he's lost too. 
Yeah. You want to, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's been nominated uh, 13 times prior to this. This was number 14. Um, and so the first one was in 2000. He was nominated for best album with I am, which is definitely in my top five. You know, um, mm-hmm. I worked on uh, some of the, the songs, a song that DJ Premier produced for that project. Um, and it lost to the Slum Shady LP. Now, I think that I think that, that was justified. I think Slum Shady LP, you know, debut album for, you know, a guy who had become the biggest artist of the decade in any genre many memorable tracks it it sounded like nothing else that you know before it um i thought it was groundbreaking dr dre you know the whole nine so it's hard to argue against the slim shady lp um 2008 was hip-hop is dead i I gotta say that's not an album i've gone back to um like i can't really even remember a song off of it i'm sure there's songs on it that if you said oh yeah if you said the name i'd be like oh yeah i remember it but it's not one of those those records I went back to. It lost to Kanye West graduation, you know. So that I also think is justified. I think that that's Ye's second best album, and my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. I I consider it to be a classic, and you know, um, I think you could argue it's a top ten rap album, you know, top twenty. Mm-hmm. So uh, to lose to that, there's there's no shame in that game. The next year follows up with Untitled. You know, I have the same like kind of commentary on that album. Um, nothing particularly noteworthy to me. Uh, maybe Black President, I think, was on that. Um, I liked Hero with Carrie Hilson, which was a weird choice for me. But I, I thought it was a really well done pop record for an album that was so poignant and political. But z- continue. Z- zero recollection. Uh, okay. You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it lost to the Carter Three, and you know, I, I can see how people might have beef with that, but. That album sold a million in the first week. Um, arguably Lil Wayne's like Magnum Opus. Mm-hmm. Many, many dope tracks. Lollipop, you know, um, a Millie, uh, Hey Mr. Yeah. Carter. Like, I mean, just like, there's joints on that, right? So again, hard to argue against that. Now the year though, that I think that Nas got robbed, where the whole table was set for them. You can acknowledge the career, but you can also acknowledge what I believe was the true best album that year uh, was 2013, or at least the, the, the best albums of, uh, of those nominated. Um, yeah. 2013, Life is Good. I've said for a long time, I think that's the first um, grown man rap album, or certainly the most, main, you know, one that reached mainstream success levels. Mm-hmm. He's talking about his daughter, as you mentioned, he's talking about divorce. He's talking about real grown man stuff, like real, like, you know, 40 year old type stuff. But still spitting. I mean, he had Nasty on there, which was an incredible record, you know. Yeah, he had Nasty. He had Daughters. He had, uh, you know, one of the last songs with Amy Winehouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had um, songs with Large Professor. He'd gotten back with him. Stay with, with, with No ID. I mean, he, he had just joints on that album. It's still. That's one of my top three favorite Nas albums um, mm. of all time. And it lost to Take Care. Now, also a great album. Like, I, I got, and maybe Drake's best album, or, or se- I think it's the second best album. But it's in the wrong so, category, right? You no, know, no, it's not. No, nah, he, he got some, he, Crew Love is on there, and like, uh, like yeah. uh, the, the, uh, I think Starting From The Bottom is on there. Um, I think that was later on, but you don't think that's a case of Tyler where they just gave it to Drake because two years, three years earlier, they met Drake as a rapper. No, I mean, a lot of people think that's Drake's best album. You know, um, nothing was the same. And I agree. I agree. But to me, isn't that an album that's more about his singing than his rapping, if memory serves? I don't think so, man. I'm going to the chocolates now. Like uh, on that, on that, we had, let's see. We had Over My Dead Body, don't remember it, Shot For Me, Headlines was a, definitely a rap okay. song. Um, Marvin's Room singing for sure. Underground Kings was a joint. He 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 spits on that song. Um, Lord Knows is on that with Ross yeah, and, yeah. and Just Blaze. Like he, he goes like hammer on that one. Um, doing It Wrong, The Real Her, Look What You've Done. 
He's got uh, HYFRs on that. He and Wayne spit. They, mm. they go crazy on that song. Uh, Practice and the Ride. So actually not a whole bunch of memorable songs on that. I, I think Nas, you know, I think Nas maybe takes it just outright. Yeah, I, I haven't listened to Take Care in a while, but I often hear people credit that as Drake's best. Um, so I wasn't mad in retrospect of that winning. That made sense. And also I think it's important that the Grammys you know, acknowledge newness. Um, and Drake really stepped out of his show on that album. But I do agree with you. If ever of these four previous times that Nas made sense to me to win, it was 2013 with Life is Good, and that didn't happen. Yeah, and he had six nominations total that year. You know, mm. Daughters had a bunch of nominations, and uh, Cherry Wine had a bunch of nominations. Went home empty-handed. Went home empty-handed, man. Uh, you said that he was the rap Susan Lucci for a long time. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I look at that, and, and, and a friend of mine reminded me, um, you know, the Grammys with Bob Dylan, you know, who you would think of as a Grammy darling. They had given him song honors, but in terms of his albums, and Bob Dylan's made some incredible albums, it was not until 1997, an album that was a studio album without a collaborator like George Harrison or, or somebody else, um you know paul newman waited 20 years to win an oscar more than that um this happens um and let's not you know forget you know cube bit you know biggie in his lifetime never won a grammy um snoop dogg nothing um you know it's still out there i'm glad that Nas has won for the trophy case i think it's definitely given us fodder of you know too little too late or cool now that we've gotten that off our belt can we treat him equally you know in the future yeah and you mentioned a tribe called quest too uh, yeah without a grammy so you had a really interesting question you you're looking ahead and i'll tell people i had to research this too because i wanted to make sure we were talking about this uh from an informed perspective uh the grammy nominee eligibility period is from september 1st until august 31st uh, and so that means that Buster Rhymes Extinction Level Event uh, 2 was not eligible for this year. Yeah. Benny the Butcher uh, was not eligible, eligible this year. Burden of proof. Uh, for burden yeah. of proof, at least. Um, you're looking ahead and you say that this being given to Nas might actually make it difficult for Buster next year. You want to explain why that is? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I I think that this idea, and this year is different too, because there's no actual event. It's all virtual, even though everyone's kind of seems to be celebrating in their own label groups and pods. Um, you know, this is a legacy, this is a legacy give. Um, and that's what Busta Rhymes is. And, and I know, if I'm not mistaken, you believe that Busta, you know, made the best album of 2020. Um, so Busta's definitely deserving with this, with this record. And it's his first in quite some time. I'm curious if this gesture of yo let's celebrate one of our ogs one of our you know legends mars in any way busta with an album that at right now looking from that cutoff period i can't think of a more deserving album from the two that you've mentioned and the funny part is that's busta and then you know uh hit boy's not credited you know on the marquee of the album but hit boy produces nas in full and he produces benny in full so do we live in a world where he can possibly helm two albums that win back to back if 2021 goes to Benny? That would be crazy. Um, I think that both Benny and Busta are extremely disadvantaged. I think that albums that are released early in the cycle tend to be overlooked. You know, people are, are much more yeah. focused on, you know, what was pretty recent. Uh, King's Disease released August. in yeah like yeah so it was right you know toward the end um yeah you know royce was like uh like uh, oj like and, and jay-z were march royce was march february yeah smoke was like june you know so um i think that so i think there are a couple things working against Busta. i think there's that i also think that this year might be the year that like both j cole and kendrick drop hmm. and you know both of them are Grammy darlings as well, younger, um, you know, and have not been around, haven't dropped an album, and the Busta had not dropped an album in a long time either, but there's going to be a lot of hype around that too, so it might be tough, it might be tough for Busta, but like, I think that anything else, I think that's the standard, I think anything else that, that is going to win has to, has to surpass that. 
Yeah, I uh, I hope so. And I, there's a lot of music that we talk about weekly on here in 2021. That's great. But Busta, Benny, I mean, two chains dropped during that window for 2021, which was an album that you and I both really liked. And um, it'll be very, very curious to see. But unlike 2020, I do think there's going to be some, you know, some whales, some big sharks uh, at this craft after at this craft of rap that are going to put out albums this year. Yeah. So this time last year, Jay Alec and Jay-Z dropped, it was Friday the 13th, I believe. Mm. Um, the Sunday, two days later, Childish Gambino releases 315, um, you know, and this is the first weekend of lockdown. Like everything is surreal. Like people are uh, truly just like uncertain, to- can't find toilet paper, like mm. uh, hand sanitizer is like, like you know crack like it's just it's just an unbelievable time and a week or two later a couple of things emerged that i think really helped to get us through um so one was d nice you know he had been spinning on ig live in the past but he had a moment a weekend where he did north of a hundred thousand for the first time um simultaneous uh, viewers of a dj set he had Michelle Obama in there. He had Will Smith. He had like tons of celebrities. And it felt like a collective moment where uh, we could all escape and, and the music just kind of healed us. That was one. The second thing was Versus. Uh, you know, the, the, the format that Tim, Timbaland and Swiss Beats put together, pitting great artists, great producers, great MCs against one another. Um, the first one was, was the, the first one was, was it, um, I forget who the first one was. It was not Jermaine Dupree. Um, do you remember who it was, the first one? I want to say that the first one wasn't even in hip hop. I thought that it was um, like Patti LaBelle and Gladys Knight. But no, I, that was late. That was okay. late. Um, Babyface and Teddy Riley was like the second one. Um, I can't remember who the first one was. DJ Premier and RZA were early in it too. That's the first one that we covered yeah. extensively. Um, but that format has grown to become an institution and, you know, um, there have been several since then, but it just sold, um, to, to Triller. Um, have you used Triller? Were you familiar with Triller before this? No, totally new to the party. Yeah. So for, for, I hadn't gotten on it either. I think I may have seen some clips, but Triller is basically like a TikTok competitor, uh, allows you to take clips of uh, make video clips you know pair them with music and you know and make you know clips that can go viral and so um a lot of artists use it um you know the deal is for a large equity stake in triller i don't know if there's any dollars that were exchanged but they did get a significant piece of it and uh, the cool thing is they gave equity to all the participants of past verses um, so you, you named a few, um, you know, uh, Gladys Knight, Patti LaBelle, Two Chains, Rick Ross, E Forty, um, Too Short, Monica know. Brandy, uh, you know, Badu, Jill Scott, yeah, yeah um, Ross and Two Chains. It just it goes on and on and on, and so it's really amazing that these guys now get to participate in it, and it's it's similar to the title deal. Like I think there's like to me, it seems like there's a paradigm shift happening where you know for years artists have built up these platforms you know spotify doesn't become what it is youtube doesn't become what it is none of these platforms become what they are with the the blood sweat and tears of the artists and it's very very rare that the artists are able to participate um you know sometimes they'll get equity like i think the howard stern got equity in sirius xm Mm -hmm. um joe budden to his credit we've talked about this before has been fighting for that. You know, he wanted that with Complex. He wanted that with um, with Spotify. And now he's doing his thing with Patreon. Yeah, and he's been denied. So he's gone out and he's, he's building his own thing. And I applaud that. Um, what do you think it? What do you think it means symbolically, even for you know guys like Jay Z and Swiss Beats and Timberland to be showing the world that this is the path that, that they can take um, and, and giving and, and getting equity for their efforts. I mean, I, I, I like it a lot. And, and the, the difference is equity versus just selling, you know, um, it's great to watch people get paid and we've celebrated that in this culture for years, 
But I think, you know, somewhere around the time of 50 cent with vitamin water, we've really started to celebrate watching these nest eggs grow. We spent a lot of time talking about Nas. I think one of the great things of covering Nas over the last five years is to watch him, to celebrate him, you know, with ring and with, you know, the Amazon, you know, uh, pharmacy delivery and different things. So I, I love this. When I saw the news, I was applauding it and it felt just right that a year later, something that Tim and Swizz did. And I know some of those times they had technical difficulties and we watched the production of each one get better and better to watch them do this and level up. I see nothing to do besides celebrate. Yeah. You know um, I do too, but you know, oddly it's, it's actually gotten some criticism. Um, you know, Michael Rainey Jr. From power and, and ghost book uh, was critical of it. Um, and his criticism was that, you know, that Swizz and Tim, you know, two black men who had built something for the culture were selling out to, um, you know, a platform that is not, you know, owned by a person of color. And, you know, my assumption is that he's also tacking that on to, you know, what happened with Jay-Z and Tidal selling to Square, which is owned by Jack Dorsey. Um, and Swizz and, and Tim res- responded and they just simply said that, we own Triller and with like, you know, emojis with like laughing and crying and tears, uh, uh, you know, happy tears crying. Um, you know, I think that this is a power move. Um, if you really break down what Versus is, it's a format. It's a dope format, but it's one that's replicable, um, you know, and it's one that has zero value without the actual talent. Mm-hmm. And I would even go as far to say that it is one that is is depreciating in value and that, um, and you make this point often with, with certain platforms that celebrate legacy artists, like there's only so many that you can do, you know? Um, and you said, you said back in like May or so, I can't even remember, it was early. You were like, ah, you know, I'm kind of tired of it. Like, uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think it's kind of run its course. They should just let it go. Um, and now that's probably just probably 15 battles since then. Oh, yeah. But, you know, and, and there's some great ones like Ghostface and, and Raekwon coming up is going to be one of the biggest ever, I think, uh, or one of the most significant for hip hop, at least. Um, so I think there's there's definitely still, you know, juice to be squeezed, but without access to the talent, you know, without Swiss and Tim, like, you know, curating without that, I, I don't know that it has any value whatsoever. So for them to be able to get equity for that is, I think, a boss move. Absolutely. And to go back and pay artists retroactively is huge. I mean, Erica Badu and Jill Scott didn't do this because they expected a bag. They did it because it was fun and it was, you know, entertaining people during some really, really, really challenging times. And, and now I think to go back and be able to say, hey, that thing that you did last May or last June, hey, here's some equity play. That just, that goes a super duper long way. And, you know, I think that this move allows this to, allows Versus to be more than just that thing that we all did during COVID. I certainly never rooted against Versus, but I knew for me, there was a period of time where Saturday nights, I couldn't plan four hours to just sit there and, and watch. But I'll tell you this, I'm not going to miss Ghostface versus Raekwon. Like, that's right up my alley. And I, I, I applaud Swizz and Tim for not trying to make every week better than the next, but accommodate different pockets of audiences. So I think this is great, and I don't know why anyone would hate on it. I think that sellout comment is, and I say this, again, as a white guy, but, but I, I think that in this case, that's just, that makes no sense. You know, we'll let creators create and collect. Yeah, you know, um... I, 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 I love the point you make about them appealing to different pockets because like I didn't I might not tune in for like Brandy and Monica but I was definitely in for Jill and Erica um, I'll be in for Ghost and Ray um, even ones like E40 and Too Short that I didn't necessarily think I would be so into once I got mm-hmm. into them like the the programming is so good you know and you and you remember it do, it, it it really does. Um, such a service because you remember the stuff that these artists have created, you know, and they've seen the impact too. Like sales are up sometimes eight, and streams are up like 800%. Mm-hmm. They're making money off this. They're getting product placements. 
Um, and now with the equity, it's been a phenomenal, phenomenal financial opportunity for these artists. Yeah, I mean, we say all the time that, you know, hip hop needs, you know, to be treated like classic rock. This is that. And certainly, you know, props to Rock the Bells and Ambrosia for Heads and other platforms that, that go out of their way to not be so linear and not be so here and now, but to hand out flowers and all of that. But this, this is that in real time. And on top of it, I mean, Swizz and Tim are music guys. This is like Jamaican sound clashes. You know, this is, you know, you and I, one of our biggest posts of a, of a time was when we put up concert footage of G-Rap and Kane going song for song, you know, at a venue. And I can't even remember where it was, but this is that, and it's interactive and, you know, on any platform, people are talking about it and tweeting it. I think there are verses that are going to be happening in the year ahead that are far more exciting than tonight's Grammy Awards. That's yeah. not to shoot shots, but that's just keeping it a bean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, versus if you think about the, the simultaneous viewers they've had, um, Brandy versus Monica was north of a million. Um, those are astronomical numbers. Those are award show numbers. You know, uh, you cannot overstate the impact it's had on the culture in terms of just reach. And, you know, there are billions of impressions made. Um, you know, you talk about that battle format. Like, I think we have a hand in that too. What put us on the map for a lot of people was the finding the goat competitions. You know, it's just embedded in the DNA of hip hop culture. Uh, you know, just like, you know, that, that sparring, you know, uh, to see who's best. So I think it's got, I think it's got some impact. Uh, you know, I'm wondering what it's going to be um, like not having Apple music, because, you know, even though I love Instagram, reading the comments and things like that, just the, the, the high quality presentation that was given the production value with Apple music was stellar. The sound was pristine. Um, the picture was like, you know, 4K. It was it was beautiful to experience that way. You could watch it on a big screen. Um, you know, um, I'm wondering if they're going to lose something with that because Instagram is not the same and it will continue to be on, on IG. But Triller is definitely not going to be that, you know. So what do you, what do you think about that? Is, did you did you ever experience on Apple Music? or IG Yeah, as, as, when, when things got kind of weird on on IG and other platforms. I think you were the one that kind of put me onto that. So I had, and I think they chose a really good time to do this because I'm going to tell you something. I, I think we've both over the years downloaded apps that we didn't think we wanted or didn't think we needed for a thing, you know, for, you know, I don't know, coupon or, or access to something. I'll, I will download Triller. I'll do whatever I need to do to watch Ray and Ghost Battle. Cause I think that that'll be fun. And one of the things that Versus has done better is you know as these have moved into the same room there's a lot of showmanship or showwomanship to it and i'm really looking forward to that with these two guys that are very clearly you know brothers but i don't think that they're just gonna you know milk it you know for the spotlight i i expect this to have some some bump to it so yeah and and, and whatever kinks there are i hope get it ironed out very quickly um if there are any maybe we'll both be surprised because they had to have strategically timed this yeah, you know, I I wanted to get into that too. The impact that it's going to have on Triller for Triller, I think it, it could be a brilliant move because you had not heard of it before. I think I'd heard of it, I'd never used it. They're going to bring in an entire different generation of people and an entire different demographic of people to this app. And you know, I got to assume that they're going to be able to that once people are in the app, they're going to play around, look look at other things, and they're going to get that advertising advertising revenue as well but i would i would think that the distribution of uh of trailer is going to expand exponentially in terms of um, you know downloading the app and that in itself is going to increase its valuation you know mm -hmm. uh, it's one of the metrics people use when you know talking about a company is like how many um apps have been downloaded like monthly active users uh you know stuff like that uh, also you know right now it will continue to be distributed on IG, but um, okay. I'm thinking that eventually, uh, once there's enough adoption of Triller, it will be exclusive to Triller. And when that happens, you know, the, the downloads uh, will be on steroids. Um, I think it also helps to position uh, Triller versus TikTok. You know, um, TikTok yeah. is definitely skews much younger. Mm -hmm. um, this might make 
uh, thriller, the adult version of TikTok, because you know, given the nature of the artists and you know just the format, I have to believe that most people watching verses are at least twenty five, maybe even thirty. Yeah and older, you know, and it goes up probably up, up to like 50s and 60s. Um, so, you know, I think it kind of creates a, a, a culture slash uh, and a generational divide for sure. And maybe cultural too, since, you know, versus this hip hop and R&B, um, I think that it's gonna have much more of a multicultural audience, although TikTok is universal, so maybe not. But, you know, I think it's gonna create some interesting skews. It's coming right in the midst of Clubhouse, too, which I think is trying to capture that demographic, but not I'm not sure that Clubhouse has figured out how because they're also dealing with exclusivity, like to make it, you know, a closed door sort of thing. And this is going to be open. Um, And yeah, I mean, you know, respect to Michael Rainey Jr., but Versus was started by two black men and it was started by two people that really know hip hop and have nothing to gain out of it other than their love of their music. I don't think Swizz and Tim sat down in last March and was like, you know, watch this, watch this uh, bag security happen this way. Um, so I think you and I have watched so many times when companies, be it startups or established companies, try to tap into hip hop and they can't do it or they do it in a really tone deaf way. And versus to me is, 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 you know, bulletproof of that, especially with these two guys at the reins and they've made it really fun. Um, so again, I'm just, you know, clap it up. Yeah, do you think, it could survive without the two of them? Not, not anytime soon. I really don't. Um, and I, I think even down to, you know, they've done really cool things that, again, I think would, would go counter to a company. But, you know, after the last battle, you know, after D'Angelo, which wasn't, you know, a battle, but a versus, um, Swizz jumps on IG Live and basically says it's going to be Ray and Ghost next. Like that's an Easter egg that is just an artist communicating with fans versus, you know, this rollout that that feels so um, sterile and strategized. I love that. And I hope they keep that sensibility here. Um, You know, five years down the line when both of these guys, you know, go to do other things, possibly. But right now versus needs its figureheads. And those two guys are as good as any. Yeah, there's two things that I think could be challenging with Triller. So I'll go back to Apple Music. One there are tons of rights and clearances issues with these, you know, it, it costs a lot of money. This is what I used to do when I was at MTV. It costs a lot of money to clear, not only the publishing for these, but they're also having to clear the master recordings because they're playing the actual records too. It'd be different if they were replaying it with a band or something like that. Then you'd only have to clear the publishing, but because they're playing the record, you have to clear the, the master recording, which is a, a separate fee. And you have to clear the publishing, which is a separate fee. And so that can be extremely expensive and likely why you don't see it up on Apple Music. You don't see the video up on Apple Music. You'll, see, you'll get the playlist. Right. Um, or on Revolt. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or on Revolt. Uh, but, you know, well, yeah, I, I won't speak on that. So in any <laughs> case, um, uh, I'm wondering if Apple Music had a hand in, make, in, in clearing that music, you know, um, you know g- given their proximity to the the labels, I'm sure, um, are suspect they could have gotten it on a discounted kind of basis because they can argue that it's going to drive streams too, and so it's promotional, and so they should they should um, they should get you know uh, discounted rates for this. I, I, I think that was likely the case. I don't know. Um, for Triller, there's a couple things. One, they're they're going to have to go out and do that. I don't know what their, their legal team situation is. A lot of times with these platforms like them and TikTok. Um, they take advantage of what's called the safe harbor provision, meaning that um, because it's uploaded by fans uh, mm-hmm. and they're not patrolling it, they don't have it, it's a lower level of clearance. They don't have to clear it uh, themselves. They just have to take it down. You know, that's what YouTube does too. Um, but with this, they're going to have to actually go out and clear it in advance and, and pay that money. The other thing is that it's a short form content consumption platform. You know, the clips are 15 seconds or so. Uh, versus is like you said like a three-hour commitment so it's completely retraining the audience to behave in a way that it typically doesn't on the app and we've seen it's very difficult for platforms to do that you know facebook has tried for years to get people to watch videos on it and no one no one still does that um you know so i'm curious to see 
how they roll that out. I think they're going to have to really uh, invest in the product to change it, to offer that kind of live distribution. And that's not a small thing. And then also like um, do it in a way that is compelling for people who want to sit and watch something for an extended period of time instead of scrolling through multiple videos. That begs the question I just want to ask you is, do you think with the world opening back up, herd immunity, and, and not the world, but the United States with where things are at with the vaccine, do you think now is the time, if there was money on the table from different places to, you know, make that move now before we get to summer? Yeah, I think for a couple of reasons. I think we talked about one, which is that um, the list of people who you want to see battle one another is getting thinner and thinner. Although, you know, if you really want to put it on steroids, you expand it to different genres. You know, I thought for a mm-hmm. long time, you start doing the EDM, like have like Diplo, Diplo versus Skrillex or it could go on and on if you do that then it becomes like just a monster um but you know question becomes do other um genres have that kind of competitive competitiveness in their ethos you know it is something that's endemic to to rap and 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 um you know by extension like um r&b so i don't know but um so one is thinner and two yeah i agree um you know, COVID is knocking on wood, you know, starting to slow down and hopefully uh, we'll get into a place where we can get back to some sort of normality. Um, and it's warmer and yeah, man, it might've been perfect time to, to cash out those chips. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So another thing uh, that came up, um, well, first of all, I want to say, um, acknowledge uh, two losses one that i just found out just before we started um the podcast tonight is reggie warren from troop uh passed away at the age of 52 um you know troop uh really dope uh group from the late 80s um songs like uh, all i do is think of you and spread my wings uh, you know I collaborated with chucky booker who wrote and produced uh, a lot of their major hits um Great boy group, I would say probably influenced uh, Jodeci, um, you know, with, you know, and Boys to Men and, you know, acts like that. Um, really amazing group. And so um, that's definitely a loss. And then Marvin Hagler, um, one of the great, all-time great boxers, died yesterday. I believe he was 65 or, or 66. He had some of the greatest battles ever, you know, against Sugar Ray Leonard, against Thomas Hearns. Um, you know, he was, he lost and he split decision to Sugar Ray Leonard, um, that he thought was BS. And so he retired, never came back yeah. after that. You know, um, a lot of people say his fight with Thomas Hearns was one of, if not the greatest boxing match ever. And they say round one was the greatest boxing round ever. I went back and watched that today. It's only two and a half rounds, but it's unreal. It, it looks like a Rocky movie, you know, they're just throwing blows just, um, you know, so um you know salute to both of those those guys um you know uh another person who's really been in the news um unfavorable like we covered this extensively is k creole but you uh from grandmaster flash and furious five who also won a grammy a lifetime achievement award tonight uh, like an actual lifetime achievement award uh he's not present to receive that award and isn't even being acknowledged for it but you want to break down the story yeah, um, from what I understand, it was 2017, and that's that alone is wild to me because it feels like yesterday where um, he was commuting into Manhattan, if I'm not mistaken, midtown Manhattan, uh, on, on kind of the late night. And as we understood it, um, was and as he alleges, was being um, kind of heckled, kind of harassed, assaulted by a man we've later come to find out as a, as a registered sex offender who had been heckling and disrupting people on the street several times that night. And Kid Kid Creole um, allegedly uh, stabbed him fatally. Is that correct? He definitely stabbed him. He doesn't dispute that. Um, What he disputes is whether or not his stabbing him is what led to the guy's death. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of crazy stuff um, uh, connected to this man. Um, So first of all, He's been held in jail for four years with no bail, without a trial. I mean, yeah. that is like reminiscent of what happened to Khalid Browder. 
he's being held on a barge um, that's across the water from Rikers Island, um, you know, known as the, the boat colloquially. And, you know, had he been of more means, he would have certainly been out on bail awaiting trial. He would have had a lawyer, like, you know, helping to, to navigate the situation, but instead he's waiting for four years, which is insane because if he's found not guilty, he still would have spent four years like in jail. It's just, just crazy. But he said, so part of it is people were saying that uh, it was a, um, it was motivated by, uh, it was a hate crime against, uh, uh, against a gay man. Um, the, the, the person that he stabbed uh, was gay. And um, so they're charging, uh, you know, they're, they're elevated like sentences for hate crimes like that. Um, what he is saying is that it was actually self-defense. He says he walked by the guy. The guy said something to him. He didn't hear it. He pulled his headphones off. The guy said something again, and he, he ignored it and walked away. He, he thought that the guy was maybe trying to hit on him or something like that. And then when the guy started pursuing him, he, he thought maybe, okay, he's trying to, like, rob me or, like, you know, attack me or something. And sure enough, the guy got up to him, and, and, and he says, grabbed him. And, like, um, as he turned, you know, I guess he stabbed him a couple of times. Now, all this has been caught on video. And so um, they, not the actual stabbing part, but the events leading into that were caught on video. So there's no dispute about that series of events. Um, you know, what happened later, though, is the same guy. So the camera then shows the guy going back, leaning against the wall, smoking a cigarette. You know, so not something that you would do if you're like, you know, life and death, really yeah. wounded not staggering or anything like that, eventually leaves and he goes to another section of the neighborhood and is actually trying to like accost other people. And that's where the police find him. And supposedly he was resisting arrest there from the police as well. And they finally, you know, subdue him and get him to, um, you know, into the ambulance. Now he's got a head injury too. And uh, he eventually succumbs to, um, uh, to wounds like it's unclear whether it was his his wounds that did it or something else uh, I think it was um, heart failure or something like that um, and so like there's there, there are huge huge questions here um, now it's also questioning uh, Kid Creole his circumstance in general so he was working as a copy operator you know so you know at night so i'm guessing like a kinko's or something like that something yeah this is a guy who and there's no knock on on that but no. you know a guy who has written um and, and who's been in one of the most influential and celebrated rap groups of all time you know who has been um whose credits um uh, and publishing are on some of the most played records of all time um how can a guy like that not have more means you know um there's something wrong in that situation, and it goes back to the title deal and the tri the Triller uh, versus deal we were just talking about, where these guys who have built the culture should be profiting and should be like immensely wealthy, but instead it's the exact opposite. Like you know, and so um, then then the question comes: Where is hip hop in this? Like, where you know is Jay Z? Should Jay Z be involved in this? You know, he's he's helping people get out of jail. Um, you know, should he be uh, focusing his attention on Kid Creole? Uh, it turns out that LL Cool J and Fat Joe actually did um, give him money for an attorney, and that attorney represented him for a year. And I don't know what happened there, but uh, the person's off the case now. He just got public defenders, and so there are a lot of questions about it. Um, and it's a very, very sad situation. Obviously, someone lost their life, and that, 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 that's a terrible thing. Uh, but there are a lot of questions that remain unanswered. Yeah, and it's just wild to see. I mean, you know, we don't know the terms of this, but we're living in a time of free Bobby Schmurder, who's his home. But, you know, we have an artist that tonight, as we tape this, is receiving, you know, a Lifetime Achievement Award, his group, that he was very much in, in the beginning, in the end. And it kind of goes unnoticed. And this was the first time that he had spoken to the source, if I'm not mistaken. And it's been, like you said, almost four years. And it's wild to see. And, um, yeah, there's a number of things that just trouble me about that. But 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 shout out to Elle and, and Joe and, 
anyone helping him out. I mean, Kid Creole is also Melly Mel's brother. Um, and, you know, those guys came into this together. That's a big part of history. And even in, you know, I look at my own journey of, you know, coming into hip hop. Uh, if you gave me, uh, you know, a Furious Five album, I always knew who Kid Creole, Creole was. He stood out. And we owe the same dedication to, you know, a guy of his age and stature that we do to artists that are coming out making music that goes viral. You know, no, no knock on Bobby or anyone else. I'm glad. But, but this, this should fall under that same um, priority. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so new music wise, uh, pretty slow week. Always happens around the Grammys. Um, you know, typically the label's attention, artist's attention is focused on the event. You know, I wasn't sure how it would be this year because obviously it's not in person or, you know, I think the show is, but, you know, it's not the big Grammy weekend that it typically is. In some ways, it's kind of a relief for me because there's always some crazy, I've been to a lot of the Grammys. I've been to, you know, many, many weekends celebrating the Grammys and Rock Nation brunches and everything. It's always an amazing time. But there's also always seems to be something crazy that happens around this time. And I think it's because so many people are gathered in one spot, you know, Um, uh, there have been. Whitney Houston, right? Whitney Houston died. There've been, you know, shootings. There've been, there's been a lot of stuff. So, um, you know, it's a relief not to have that happen. Um, but, you know, it's also a dead week for music. But a couple of things did drop. What, what did you see that caught your attention? We, a week before the album, give or take, we got the first taste of The Plugs I Met Too, which is, you know, Benny the Butcher series. This one's produced by Harry Fraud, who, you know, heads may know from his work with Action Bronson and French Montana Currency, et cetera. So they put out a joint called Thanksgiving. And um, that you added it to the playlist. I think it's it's noteworthy in you know it's funny coming off of the hit boy conversation with Nas and and Benny it's not the sound I expected with Harry Fraud but that doesn't mean we're not going to get that sound on the album and you know Benny says a lot about um how he should be thanked and I've thought a lot about that over the week I mean Benny and the rest of Griselda and the forefathers your rock marcianos and you know Willie the kids and other guys that are part of that movement um, have definitely created a lane for hardcore, you know, MCs of a certain content and ilk um, over the last three, four, five years. So, you know, I, I like the theme of the song that way. What did you think of it? Yeah, like you, it's, it's going to take me a little time to um, to sit with it. You know, um, yeah, I mentioned earlier that Alfredo like uh, is still opening up to me now and I hear it differently than I did the first several times I heard it um in an amazing way it's aged like I think beautifully so um I need to hear this song more before like I you know I speak on it and also I want to hear it in the context of the album because it also it often opens it up differently I think just based on your description I think I liked it more than you did and I think I anticipate liking it even more uh, which is why I did add it to the playlist. You know, I think about songs like When by J-Rock, which when it first came out, the first time I heard it, I was so disappointed because I'm such a huge J-Rock fan. Yeah. And it was such a radical departure, but I got to say it's one of my favorite J-Rock songs of all time now. You know, So I'm a big believer in letting songs like you know breathe for a minute before making the final call. Yeah, and I'm with you on that. And, and a podcast like this makes that challenging. And certainly folks that listen week to week, my opinion is, is liquid too. You mentioned Ultra Black and that song certainly grew on me. But I don't know, we hold first singles to such high standards. But um, I know some people close to, you know, Griselda and Benny that have heard the whole album, whose opinions I hold in a very high regard. And they say this album is like, whoa. So uh, I have a feeling, you know, on our next episode, we'll be talking about it. Yeah, it's got a lot to live up to, man. That album, um, I think, The Plugs I Met, I would go as far as to say is my favorite Griselda album, period, Mm -hmm. of all projects. And um, I might even say I think it's the best album, you know, uh, that they they put out. It's just like, it's short and and, and not sweet at all. (laughs) Um, It's short, uh, but... But just like wall to wall, you know, he's going against Royce. He's got Black Thought on it. Push uh, it. The last push it. I mean, it's oh yeah, eighteen wheelers. Like whoa. Um, that's a that's a 
a very tall name to live up to. So I'm, I'm expecting big things. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, hip hop's about three album streaks. That's what we hold our greats to. And you've got Tana Talk 3, you've got Plugs I Met, and you've got Burden of Proof. In the midst of which you had the Griselda, you know, what would Sheen Gun do, which you and I both, you know, were very emphatically fans of. Benny, you know, to be so prolific um, and yet so consistent is 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 crazy. So yeah. um, speaking of that, the other artist that dropped a really noteworthy song this week is Odyssey. Um, so we talked about it in our last episode. Mellow Music Group has a compilation coming out. They're putting some important joints out that folks may have missed, but they're including some new music on there with contributions from, you know, Alchemist, Stolly, their newest signing, uh, Quelle Chris, just different different folks throughout the roster, Lorne, um, but they've got a new Odyssey song called No Trouble. And, you know, you and I spent one of the, one of the more uh, awkward moments of this podcast debating a Drake album, you know, from singing and rapping. And Odyssey's another artist that can be many things. I mean, he can be a musician, he can be an MC, he can be a producer, he can be, he can veer in a melody, you know. Um, and No Trouble just reminds you that this guy is, you know, a 20 plus year MC veteran, and um, it's definitely one of the songs I played most this week and really, really enjoyed it. Was thrilled to see it on our playlist. Yeah, it, it, it's a great song. It's one of my favorite songs I've heard from him since um, his uh, 2017 album. Iceberg. You know, uh, yeah. Iceberg, yeah. Um, so I'm excited, excited to hear that. Uh, you know, aside from that, so I, I see you got Locksmith and Slug. I got to check that out because I love Locksmith. I, I love both of them. Yeah, um, and, and apathy produced that joint. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. Is it hardcore? Like, is it a hardcore sound, or what's what's what? You know, Locksmith's one of those artists that absolutely brutalizes freestyles, and then can come in and make really, you know, um, fulfilled concept songs. So this is very much in that chamber that atmosphere has been in in a while. Hmm. Um, so I definitely enjoyed that, and and Lock has been hugely supportive of AFH, which I appreciate. And the other thing I'll say in you know, jumping ahead, I mean, my song of the week is is THS by John Hope. And, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about the quote unquote blog era, um, you know, artists like Kendrick and Big Crit and Cool and, and, you know, folks that emerged out of it. And John Hope is definitely one of those artists that's been on my radar for over 15 years, Providence, Rhode Island MC, um, and put out a new album called Hope All As Well. And he's got a joint in there. I sent it to you. It's called THS or, or That Hope-ish. And that was my song that I just couldn't put down this week. And um, you love to see it. But I, anyone out there that's heard of John or just wants a great MC that, that might not be on their radar, they might not have heard from in a while, you know, you want a full-length project, that's, that's the joint. Hmm. I'm going to go with full circle. You know, uh, after 30 years, things have come back full circle for Nas. Uh, you know, um, I think it's great that a project he did with the firm you know, uh, the people he came up with is the one that got the, the, the nod. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just amazing to see him get this victory. So, yeah, that's it. I feel you on that. I saw Cormega today on Instagram congratulating Nas. And I just uh, I like, like happy endings that way. So yeah. big salute to Nas, Mass Appeal, Hit Boy, The Firm, everybody on that album. You know, um, I, I, I'm certainly, you know, happy for that. Absolutely. All right, man. Always a pleasure. Man. Until we do it again. Yeah, enjoy the steak and mushroom. <laughs> All right, man, thank you. All right, peace. Enjoy your night. Yeah. Peace.